0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sermon text today is our epistle from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Whether someone has been away at college on a long business trip or overseas at war, a homecoming is a joyous event for those who have been waiting to once again see one another in person. There is nothing like a face-to-face meeting with someone else. There is nothing that can replace gathering with others in the flesh. And we can see that Paul longs for such a meeting with the church in Thessalonica. He longs to meet with the Thessalonians. At the moment he writes this letter, Paul is separated from them. Luke explains in the book of Acts that Paul had gone into Thessalonica and began to preach at the synagogue there, using what we today call the Old Testament, to show that Jesus was truly the long-awaited Messiah. Some of the Jews who heard Paul preach believed and were baptized. Others chose to oppose God and formed a mob and riot. They wanted to drag Paul and Silas out before the crowd. And when they couldn't locate either one, they dragged out some leaders of the church in Thessalonica and charged them before the city officials, who made them post bond before letting them go. During the night, Paul and Silas were sent by the church leaders to Berea. Now the Bereans received Paul and Silas and diligently examined the scriptures to see if what Paul preached was true. Many of them believed. But those who persecuted the church in Thessalonica also went to Berea and whipped up the crowds there. Clearly the men who opposed the gospel in Thessalonica did so with great fervor, which tells you a little bit about the conditions in Thessalonica. Paul would have likely spent more time in Thessalonica teaching the faith if he had not been forced out when he was. You can hear this reflected in his letter, how he longs to teach them face to face again, how he longs to help them grow in the faith and how he does not want them to be lacking in their knowledge of Christ. Paul wants them to be strengthened and ready for the day of the Lord. And he knows that the best way that to happen, is in the flesh teaching and preaching. And that's why Paul doesn't just write a letter to the Thessalonians. He sent Timothy to encourage them and teach them. He sent someone else to bring them God's word and to help them grow in their faith and knowledge of Christ. Someone whose presence might go less noticed than Paul's, but who could still rightly teach them. And this Timothy did. After which he reported back to Paul how the Thessalonians remained in the faith and how they loved the Lord and his word. This was a great encouragement to Paul that the labors and persecutions he went through benefited God's people there. We hear that thanksgiving toward God reflected in our reading today. How could he thank God in his prayers enough for all this. The answer, of course, is that Paul is not able to thank God enough. God is graciously and richly supplied for him and the Thessalonians. Recognizing the Lord's richness and grace, Paul asks God to provide for him to come to the Thessalonians. He wants the Lord to cause their love to overflow for one another so that they might be strengthened in God's word and ready for Christ Jesus coming at the end of time. Paul longs to help them prepare to be ready for Jesus' Advent. Now, to be clear, the word Advent comes from the Latin, and it means coming. During the season of Advent, we remember Jesus' first coming and look forward to his second coming. That's why we have a reading today about Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding a donkey. Palm Sunday is a very clear depiction of Jesus' first coming and what it means for us. And our Old Testament lesson also looks to that first coming which Christmas celebrates. How a righteous branch will spring up from David's line to bring justice and righteousness to God's people. But the advent of 1 Thessalonians refers to his coming at the end of time. When he will bring all the saints with him, that is, he will bring those who have died in Christ, he will bring them with him and raise them from the dead and then sweep up all his people from the earth while changing their bodies from mortal ones to immortal ones. That means we also need this prayer of Paul. We need to be encouraged and uplifted in God's word. We need to be strengthened in our own hearts so that we will likewise be blameless before God when Christ comes again. We need our Lord to increase our love for one another, for we are lacking in this. Just look at your own life. Examine your own hearts and circumstances. You have Christian brothers and sisters for whom you struggle to love and with whom you lose patience. Not only do we have things in our society and world that lead us away from God's word, there are things in our own life that lead us away from God's word. All this makes it hard to love one another, especially those who wrong us or sin against us. It's hard to love those who have become our enemies. After all, we even struggle to love those in our own households because they frustrate us infuriate us, and at times inflict pain upon us. It is hard to love them at times when they are being unloving. It is hard to be concerned for them when they do not seem concerned for you. Compare this to the love of Paul and Silas, who loved the Thessalonians in the midst of the persecution. They faced great troubles and hardships to speak God's word. They cared greatly for them when they left and could no longer be there. Paul sends Timothy out of his love and concern. He writes to them. He prays for them. He longs to return to them. How does your love compare to such? Are you willing to suffer persecution and risk death? For that Christian brother or sister that you find difficult, with whom you struggle. Our love falls short. We fall short because our heart is the problem. Our heart grows cold at times. Our heart falls short. It is not the blameless heart we need. It is not the blameless heart we should have. What we need is a new heart. God agrees that's why Jesus came the first time he came to bring you and me a new heart he came to give you his heart this is what Jesus does on the cross he goes there while the father performs the greatest surgery of all time he cuts out your sinful hearts and places them upon and in Jesus He takes out all your lack of love and concern, all the evil inside you, and lays it upon Jesus. Meanwhile, God takes Jesus' heart and life, and in baptism, He places it upon you. He gives you a heart transplant. Jesus' heart and life are cut out of Him on the cross and they are placed upon you and in you when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and performs the second part of the surgery. Jesus' life and heart become yours, which means you have a new heart and life. Your old way of life is no more. Your lack of love is replaced by a heart that loved all people to the end. Your selfish concern is exchanged for sacrificial care for others. You've been changed in Christ. And this not only means a change in how you live, but it also means that you are assured of how you stand before God. Your heart is strengthened in God's holiness. You can be certain that on account of Christ, this holiness is yours. You can stand confidently before our Lord and God because it is not your flawed or imperfect heart that God sees. No, He sees the perfect heart and love of His Son, Jesus. He sees that pure and holy heart for His heart is yours. Our Lord continues to assure you of this at His table where He comes to dwell with you. He promises you that you are now one of His holy ones, for He has made you so. He has worked to make you clean, and He will uphold you in this new life, for it is His life given to you. Jesus gives you His body and His blood, so know that you are blameless. Not only as He comes and cleanses you with His word and sacraments, but that you will be blameless on the last day when He comes. He has established you as His pure and holy children already. All this brings us back to that thanks that Paul expresses. How can we ever return back to God enough thanks and praise for what He has done? While our thanks can never adequately cover or express the greatness and magnitude of what Christ has given and done for us, we continue to live. We look to our Lord for provision and strength. And He gives just as He gave at the cross. He gives so that we can continue on in this world in all the hardships and struggles. He gives so that we can live through the deaths, including even our own death. He gives so that we might have faith and continue in that faith. And he gives that our love might grow and that his love might extend that his love that his people might extend his love to those around us. Thanks be to God for his great love. Thanks be to God for giving His heart and His life for us. Thanks be to God for giving us purpose in loving one another and caring for all. The Lord is truly gracious so that we can look forward to meeting with Him every Sunday and even on that joyous last day when He will gather us to be face to face with Him forever the peace of God which passes the understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.